0: Ourselves being disciples and also encompassed in that is, is our commission as disciples to go and make disciples. It kind of goes hand in hand. In order to be a disciple maker, in order to be someone who is commissioned and sent to go and make disciples, we must first be disciples ourselves. And so we've kind of talked in, on both both sides of this over these past couple of weeks About our duty and our role as a disciple and as a learner and as someone who could be changed by the gospel. And there's, there's just something about when you have truly been changed by the gospel that somebody else notices that or you feel and there is, there's something inside of you that would say, I've got to tell somebody about this because I've been changed by it. Right? If you've really been changed, if you've really been changed, you don't want to keep that to yourself. You've got to tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you. Amen. And, and that's what really this whole, whole thing is all about. I, I was sitting up here and thinking as church was beginning, they're starting and thinking, you know, there's, there's some groups of Christians that would label themselves evangelicals and, and we would fall under that, fall under that, uh, category of, of Christians, and I was thinking, I'm like, why, why would you not be evangelical? Uh, I mean, isn't that just part of, of what it means to be a Christian? That we are called to, to tell others about this good news. I, I mean, I understand that, uh, that this is, um, you know, this is the... The message, and this is this is just kind of how I've been taught, and I, I believe, and but it, it just seems Scripture is so clear, so clear that that is part of what our our duty is as Christians. It's not to keep this to ourselves. You know, this these past several lessons, and again tonight, it's it has perhaps been uh, a little bit less of of a Bible study and more of just instructive lessons on. On what it means to be a Christian and, and what our, our duty is and what our, uh, our job is as, as Christians. And maybe it hasn't been quite as much digging into the Word and, and, uh, you know, as, as deep as sometimes we go into Bible study and we'll, we'll get to that at some, um, you know, when I feel the Lord releasing me to, to do that again. But, um, there's sometimes when we just have to stretch ourselves and, and say, Okay, am I fulfilling my duty that Scripture is is calling me to? Am I filling? Am I fulfilling the things, the very things that Scripture? When I study it, it does my life match up to that? And and is there is is maybe I'm doing it somewhat, but can I get better at it? Can I get better? at what this uh, this very thing that God has placed me on this earth to do, can I improve upon it? And so we're going to talk about that tonight, about the language of a disciple, the language of a disciple. There was a, a quote that I just thought was very, very good, and it was from C.S. Lewis, the author C.S. Lewis. He said that the church exists... To engage a lost world in a conversation of redemption and hope. That is truly the the essence of the New Testament. And the commission of the church. That the church exists to engage a lost world in a conversation of redemption and hope. There There is a lost world that they need to hear this story of redemption. They need to know that there is hope. They need, and, and there's, there's a conversation that needs to take place. A conversation that, that we can't be satisfied with just us sitting here in this place and, and just because I was lucky enough to, to grow up or blessed enough to, to grow up in the church and have a fam, you know, be born into a family that, or, or, or you know, that's not the story of all of us, but that's the story for me. Um, this, This has gotta be more than that. We've gotta get, get something in us that would say, let me tell somebody else about this good news. Let me tell somebody else about the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Well, there is hope beyond what you can see in this life. There is something beyond this. Amen. See, we, we've, we've read it. We know the great commission. That Jesus, some of his last words that he gave to his disciples, we can read it here in Mark chapter 16. This is one of the occurrences that we see of of the Great Commission. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus saying to his disciples, he says, Go into all the world, preach that good news to everyone. Or preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news. Preach that to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Okay? That's a, that's a really good reason for us to go and to, and to live out this commission because there's one or two options. There's, there's two options, two, two destinations. You're either going to be saved or you're going to be condemned. And I don't want anybody to be condemned. I, I don't want anyone to be condemned. So we are called to go and to preach the good news to everyone. Proclaim the good news to everyone. In fact, that's the very reason that Jesus Christ came to this earth. It was to change the conversation. That it's nothing that you can do, but Jesus Christ came to tell people that you have an opportunity to be saved. It's in Luke 19. Luke 19 verse 10. Jesus It says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. There is a there was a a purpose for why Jesus came to this earth and it was because there were so many people who were lost and he came to find them to seek them out to go it's, he, he tells it in, in one place and he's he's instructing his disciples but he says go into the highways and the byways go into the places where wherever you can find somebody go go there into the the places and the that means the highways and the byways that's that's the uh On the beaten path and off the beaten path. Go wherever you can go to find somebody and compel them to come in. In other words, go and find them and and tell them about the good news. That is a very compelling message. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a very compelling message. Tell them about what Jesus Christ has done for you. And and what, uh, what the transformation that has happened in your life. And compel them to come in. There was uh, I was I was reading a book that a book that I've, I've referenced uh, over the past couple of weeks. It's called Crucial Conversations, and uh, and the author of that pointed out this principle. Something that I don't know that it's a it's a principle, but he uh, just as reading as he was reading through the Book of Acts, just happened to notice all these spiritual conversations that were taking place. All these different times that the church was growing, and it wasn't just growing because of uh, because of one person that was proclaiming the good news. All of you can't you can't give all of the uh, the church growth in, in in that first century. You can't give all the credit to Paul. You can't give all the credit to Peter, James. You can't give it to you know just those twelve disciples. This, the only way that the church really could have grown the way that it did is if everyone was, was on board with telling the gospel message. That's, that's the only way. And, and we see evidence of this in scripture. And, and he noticed as he was reading through the book of Acts that it, it's kind of odd and, and it's not necessarily written, you know, this way to, uh, from the beginning because the scriptures or the, uh, verses those were put in there after this was ever written but but it just so happens that in verse 42 of many of these chapters is it is instances where the church is telling others about this good news we see it in Acts 242 Acts 242 it's uh, this is this is maybe a, a different uh, way of, of telling it but it says that the church they assembled there all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That they were there. They were sharing these stories. They were there, they were, they were receiving the teaching of the apostles. What was the teaching of the apostles? The teaching of the apostles was them retelling these stories that Jesus had told. It was telling them about all these things that Jesus had related to them and and how they had uh, had received the gospel from from Jesus. They had received this good news and, and all these stories of miracles and signs and wonders, all these things. And the transformation that they had seen happen, that's the teaching of the apostles. This is the, the, the doctrine. This is the, the, the good news that, that we see today that you are able to be saved. It doesn't matter how lost you may be. God is, is reaching for you and he, can re- and he can find you wherever you are. That's the apostles teaching that they were receiving that. And so in Acts 2.42, we see the church assembled there and they're receiving these spiritual insights from the apostles. They can hear from one another what God has done as they're they're meeting together and and they have meals together they're sharing in meals this is uh, at the beginning of the year I, I talked about koinonia redeeming fellowship coming together in fellowship with one another this is this is what koinonia is all about is is coming together in fellowship with one another this is what we're doing with our life groups we, i guess I, I didn't mention that in our announcements but this week we're kicking off our life groups starts tomorrow in fact uh, is our first life group. We have, uh, tomorrow at seven o'clock. If you want to meet here at the church, um, or those, those who are signed up for that, you can meet here at the church seven o'clock. That is our meal prep and, and, um, and they're going to be coming here and that's a, going to be a great time. And then also on Saturday at four o'clock, we have our game night. And so we're looking forward to, uh, to this kind of fellowship. And what happens in that is we get to talk with one another and hear each other's stories this is what this this it's all about and now the goal the ultimate goal is that this doesn't just happen in something that is like pushed out from the church that makes sense I don't want this to be programmatic when we I'm, I'm going to get into talking the language of a disciple but the language of a disciple should be something that it happens outside of the church walls. It happens outside of any program of the church. It happens outside of the structure of the church. It just happens in your, in your daily life. That you have the language of a disciple, that you start telling the story of, of, of what Jesus has done for you and you start talking to other people. You have spiritual conversations. Amen. We better keep going. Acts 5, 42. X five forty two says that every day in the temple and from house to house they continue to teach and preach this message that Jesus is the Messiah. So we see them from house to house every day. They were there in the temple uh, all, the, all these these occasions. All, says constantly they're sharing this message. They're they're teaching and they're preaching the message of what Jesus Christ has done and how He is the Messiah and He came to change the conversation about what it means to be saved. Acts nine forty two. The news spread through the whole town. Many believed in the Lord. Well, no, this was—they're all talking about it. They're all telling these stories. They're all—they're all telling about what Jesus Christ has done. This news is spreading throughout the entire town. Many believed in the Lord because they're hearing about the firsthand accounts of what God has done in somebody's life. They're telling their stories. Acts 10, Acts ten forty two says he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. It says that he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus, testify of Jesus Christ, to tell other people about Jesus. That we, Everywhere that we go, we are ordered to preach and tell others about Jesus. It's just kind of odd that all these end up, all these scriptures end up being in verse forty-two, Acts chapter thirteen, verse forty-two. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. They begged them, "Tell us more. Tell us about what Jesus has done. Tell us more about all this, this these new things that you're uh, you're revealing to us about uh, about a Savior who has come for me." Savior who can change and transform my life. You told your story about how you were transformed. I want to hear more about that. Okay, this is, this is what is happening in the early days of the church. The church is growing because people's lives were transformed and because their lives were transformed, they tell somebody else about it and the church multiplies because there were disciples who, who had been transformed themselves and it's not a, it's not just a, uh, you know, a, a, a dead religion or something where they come and it's just about rules and, and we just come to church because this is, you know, part of what we're supposed to do. No, there was something in them that changed and they said, I've got to tell somebody about this. And we see it all through the book of Acts. We see it all through the book of Acts. People engaging in spiritual conversations wherever they were at, in the temple, from house to house, out in the in the town, wherever they were at, they were telling people about Jesus Christ. They want to, as I mentioned, we've sometimes we have, to, we have to hone in on okay how how can I do this? How can I tell my story? Well, we, one thing that we can do as we learn to tell our own story is to learn from those in Scripture who told their stories. We see we see several accounts of of people who are telling their story and. And we see this, this pattern, and it's a very easy pattern, but it's just, just simply tell, you know, what was it like before I met Jesus? What was it like when I met Jesus? And then after I met Jesus? It's very simple. But, but if we can't, if we can, we should all be able to tell our story. And I've got to admit, this is something that for me, I had, I had to like practice at because for me, I'm like, I don't remember before I met Jesus. I, I'll, I'll tell my my story because my story may not be a, a before I met Jesus, after I met, or when I met Jesus, and after I met Jesus. But here's the story that I can tell somebody about when I truly knew that Jesus has changed something in me. Because I, I'm thankful. I'm very thankful that I grew up. My, my parents raised me in church, and and I grew up. We would drive uh over an hour uh every sunday, wednesday, friday we'd go to church and and I know that seems a little foreign uh to many people now but that's, that's uh it's what my my parents did and, and I was raised there on the church pew. And there was uh once uh one time when when a preacher was telling in, in his message he was talking about uh somebody who had walked away, somebody who he had invested a lot of time in and and he had invested in this this uh young man's life, and, and he eventually just decided, I'm not going to live for Jesus anymore, and he walked away. And that preacher, he asked the question, he said, you've got to decide, are you in this for somebody else, or are you going to be a lifer? And I know something about that term lifer, I don't think I'd ever heard that term lifer, and I don't even know if it is a term, a real word, but for me it stuck and for me, in that moment, I, I I was down on my knees and I and I said, Jesus, I am in this for life. That's my identity. I'm a lifer. And I identified myself in that moment that this is this is me. It doesn't matter, it doesn't even matter if I make mistakes and I fall, I'm gonna get back up because I'm a lifer. It doesn't matter if somebody else fails me, I'm in this for life. And so for me, I, I, de- I decided in that moment that this is who I am. And, and, and it was right around that time that I had I received the greatest gift that I could ever receive. God filled me with the, his spirit. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized. I had my sins washed away. And, and and things just were transformed in my life because of a decision that i made to say, all right, God, it's not about somebody else. This is about me and you. And since that day, I, I can say that I, I certainly have failed. But I've gotten back up because I'm in this real life. And I've seen one thing is that Jesus has never failed me. When I have failed him he 's never failed me, and so for me that's that 's the story that I can tell i don't, I don't have a story of, of before I met jesus as in as in i was uh, you know I, I never was in church or never in in, in a place where uh, i you know it was foreign to me to to be in contact with people who are worshiping all around me and and so i don 't have that story, but I do have a story still and we all should be able to tell our story because the thing about a story is is that people can relate to that and nobody can deny your story. I, I almost tonight, I was debating on, on just taking all the chairs and, uh, and just like changing this sanctuary all up so that we could all just circle up and find places and actually craft our stories tonight and I decided against it. Um, but still, I think this is something that we ought to do. Be able to craft our story. Work on, how can I tell my story? In fact, we're gonna, we're gonna continue on that, but before we do so, I wanna, uh, as I said, we can learn from those in scripture who told their stories. In John chapter 9, John chapter 9, uh, verse 1, actually this whole chapter here, we see this story of, of somebody who they had been changed by Jesus. They have a before I met Jesus, when I met Jesus, after I met Jesus kind of a story that they can tell. And it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And uh, we're going to just skip down. We could keep reading, but let's skip down to verse number six. Uh, Jesus, he eventually gets to this uh, this man and, and talks to him. He says, uh, he spits on the ground. He makes mud with his saliva, and he spreads the mud over the blind man's eyes, and he tells him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. It says Siloam, it means scent. So the man, he went and he washed, and he came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I, I'm the I'm the guy. Yes, I'm the one who was blind. And they asked, well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus, he made mud and he spread it over my eyes. And he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed and now I can see. Now that doesn't make any sense. But all he can tell them is, this is my experience. This is my experience, and whether you want to believe it or not, I know it's true because this is what happened to me, and you can't deny the very thing that happened to me and but he begins telling them this story about how Jesus had changed him now let's skip down to verse verse eighteen there there gets to be this uh, in between that verse and, and verse eighteen um the Jewish uh, leaders they they get all worked up about this they uh, it happened on the Sabbath day. They didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that Jesus had healed them on the Sabbath day. They said, well, he can't be a holy man if he's working on the Sabbath. Uh, but that's on verse 18. It says, the Jewish, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and can now see. So they called on his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he now see? Well his parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Okay? Go ask him. He's got he he can tell you about everything that happened. This isn't about me, this is his story. But I can verify that he was born blind, this is my son. Let's skip down just uh, a couple more verses to verse 24. So the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. That's what they're telling him. Okay, Don't say that this was Jesus who did this. God needs to get the glory. Well, they didn't quite understand that Jesus was God come down. So they didn't understand that. But it says, well, I, he goes on to say, I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I do know this. This is the very simplest testimony that you can see right here about this is where I was. I met Jesus and now this is where I am. He said, I was blind. Now I can see. I was blind. Now I can see. All I know is. Something transformed in my life when I met Jesus Christ. So whether you say he's a sinner or not, all I know is when I met Jesus, he changed me. Whether you say he's real and and still in in, in that he is God or not, all I know is when I met him, he changed me. He says, I was blind. Now I can see. Now they continue. They said, "Um, but what did he do? How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Are you guys wanting to become his disciples too? I don't know if he's just being facetious here or what the deal is, but says, oh, you, guys, you guys want to be his disciples? And then they cursed him and they said, you are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why? That's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Now, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and he asked, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Well, you've seen him, Jesus said. And he's speaking to you. Well, yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. On well, the power of when Jesus can really get a hold of you and He transforms your life. The power of a story, the power of a testimony, the power of, of saying, well, I don't know what, you, I don't know what you want to believe, but here's what I know for myself. And this is what happens in, in a true disciple, somebody who is a, a true disciple of Jesus. Is there something that gets inside of you that says, you know what, when I look back at who I was and now I see who I am today, I can't tell you how I got here except that Jesus Christ was with me. All I know is that when I met Jesus, something changed. All I know is that I used to be bitter and I'm not bitter anymore. All I know is that I have every reason to be uh, spiteful and hateful because of my circumstances. But Jesus Christ, he has helped me to mend every relationship. Jesus Christ came in and he changed me. Well, I've seen people who have been so completely changed after they met Jesus Christ. And there is nothing, nothing that somebody else could do just to say, well, you know, I don't I don't see the change. No, the the change is clear. And it's because Jesus Christ came in and he made the change when there's something powerful about a story. This is who I was before I met Jesus. When I met him, he changed me, and now here I am. And now, I'm, he says, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to keep on learning. And I, I may not know everything. In fact, he didn't even know, anything, know everything when he said, I'm a disciple of Jesus. But he soon found out that that very Jesus was the son of man. He was the one who he'd been searching for. Amen. We can also see in Paul's conversion story, he tells his story A couple of times in Scripture, I'm sure that he he probably told it many more times that are not recorded in Scripture, but he has a very powerful conversion story that that you probably know, and there's this one instance here in Acts chapter 22, that Paul is is sharing his story, and again, we can see this before I met Jesus, when I met Jesus, and after I met Jesus type of narrative as Paul is telling his story. Here he is. He's he's standing. He'd been he'd come to Jerusalem. He's standing in front of the high priest in Jerusalem and in some of the other uh, Jewish council that is gathered there, and uh, he's giving his testimony. Start reading in, in verse three. It says that Paul. He said, "I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel." As a student, I was careful, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything that I did, just like all of you today. I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. That's who I was. He's really, he's finding some common ground with the people he's talking to. I was just like you. This is that's who I was. And how, how many in here could tell that same kind of a story was to somebody else? I was just like you. When you're talking to somebody else, and 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 an opportunity arises where you can you can share your story, and I was just like you. I was I was climbing the corporate ladder, or I was, um, and I was out living the party scene, or. You know, whatever it is, whatever your story is, there's there's somebody. Maybe it's not everybody, but somebody who you can identify with, and you can say, "I was I was just like you. I was I was the the person that uh, you know was was a good Christian. I, I went and I grew up uh, in you know in a church, but but I didn't really know Jesus. I was just like you. That's what Paul was doing here. He's, he's telling them, "This is who I was before." But let's let's hear now. Now we get to verse six, and verse six. Uh, Paul, he starts telling his story of when I met Jesus. And this is the, the part of the story that we know. But I want to just quickly read through it here. It's ver- starting in verse 6, he said, as, as I was on the road, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene the one that you are persecuting. The people with me, they saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice that was speaking to me. I asked, well, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light, and I had to be led by, by the hand to Damascus by my companions. There in Damascus, a man named Ananias lived, and He was a godly man. He was deeply devoted to the law and he was well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and he stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, what a testimony of what happened when he met Jesus. That's, that's, it, he's pretty good at telling his story. This is what happened to me when I met Jesus. There was something, now I'm sure, I don't know that anybody here quite has a story like Paul to share. Of when you met Jesus, but there's something that you can tell about when you met Jesus, and he sums it all up by saying, "And then I found out that I could have all my sins washed away." And when I found that out, better believe that I jumped at that opportunity. And so I was baptized. Since I, I, they called the name of the Lord Jesus over me. I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and I had my sins washed away. And from that moment on, from that moment on, my life was, was changed. Now, he doesn't get an opportunity to, uh, to tell too much of his story afterwards because all of a sudden the crowd erupts when he starts telling them about what happened in his life after that. But uh, we can we can see a little bit of it in verse 17. It says after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, "Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me." But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and I beat those who believed in you, and I was in complete agreement. When your witness, when your witness Stephen was killed, I stood by. I kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, "Go." for I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. In other words, he he thought he was safe right there in Jerusalem, but but saying Jesus was saying to him, go, go, go. You need to go to the place, and and I'm I'm sending you. And where he was sending him in this moment was to the very people who he had persecuted, who he had thrown in prison. He's sending them to Antioch. They had fled to Antioch because uh, because of the harsh treatment that Paul or Saul had been doing to them. But he says that my, my life really changed when the Lord spoke to me. He says, I'm going to send you far away to the Gentiles. He starts telling them about the, the change in his life, how, how he was commissioned at that moment to go and to preach this gospel. Well, they got angry at that. Uh, verse 22 says that the crowd, they, they listened until Paul said that word, until he said the word Gentiles. And then they all began to shout away with such a fellow. He isn't fit to live. So Paul here sharing his conversion story of before I met Jesus, when I met Jesus, after I met Jesus. It's quite a story to be able to tell. We all should be able to tell our story. See, telling your story, it's remember, Jesus, his whole ministry was about telling stories. Right? That's what his whole ministry was about. It's about coming to people. And, and oftentimes relating to whatever it is that's around them, he goes and he talks to some fishermen. What does he do? He talks to them about casting their nets, becoming fishers of men. He goes and talks to people out on a hillside that are farmers and he, he tells them parables about farming and, and, and sowing seed and, 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 you know, all these, all these things that uh, he goes, goes to weddings and tells them these stories about what it's like to be at a wedding feast. He tells them stories, and He relates to them. This is Jesus. His whole ministry is about telling stories, and it's not just stories, but they're parables that that brought this um, this truth to light. But the question is, you know, what stories are you telling? What, what, what stories am I telling right now? Because stories are easily remembered by the one that, that you're telling them to. Stories are easily remembered. Maybe not every detail of them, but... You, you remember the, the point of it. You remember the stories that are told. You can remember when somebody tells you about their life that was changed. They, not, they may not remember that, that verse that you, uh, that you pointed them to. And, and, and I, I don't want one bit. We, we, need to, we need to get into the scripture. Uh, but, but the very first thing that you tell somebody, it probably shouldn't just be pointing them to some verse that might change their life. How about we start by telling them the story about how Jesus changed my life. We're going to get to the word. We're going to get to the very foundation of why it changed my life. But that shouldn't just be throwing a pamphlet at them or throwing a Bible at them and saying, here, read this. How about to tell a story? Tell, tell about how Jesus changed me. How Jesus changed my life. Personal stories about your life, they're easy for us to share because it's my life. They, I, I can share this because I, I know it. See, stories are moving when they're told in the right way. Here's some here's some basic mistakes that we can make in telling our story. I said I said they they're moving when they're told the right way, but oftentimes we make mistakes when we're telling our story. This is what I'm, I'm saying about telling our our story of transformation in our life. First basic mistake that we often make or we often see. This made, when when we're telling our story, is an absence of relatable points of contact. So, in other words, you meet somebody and you feel the the urgency to to just tell them about Jesus, but it is not, you haven't connected from where they're at to where you're at. Jesus as i as I just said, when he would tell stories he would use the context around him in different things and or maybe it's just listening and as you listen it's not just about hearing but it's about finding an opportunity oh this is this is a way that you know I can connect and here's here's something else and it kind of goes with this point but it's it's that oftentimes these spiritual conversations that we get into um they're not planned out they shouldn't that if you plan them out, a lot of times they flop. If you just, if you plan it out and you're like, okay, I, I'm going to tell somebody today and you're looking for it and you're, and, and you should be looking for it, but, but you're just like, I, I'm, I'm determined to tell this person at this moment about Jesus. It, it's, it's probably going to flop because that's all you're focused on. But instead, if we're just following the Spirit, kind of getting ahead of myself here, but if we just follow the Spirit, and we let the Spirit lead us, there's opportunities all over the place where we can we can relate to them and tell them just little things. It doesn't have to be your whole story every time, but just little things about what Jesus has done for you. We, we become fluent, our language changes about talking about the gospel of Jesus. Amen. We can, so basic mistake, I need to hurry, we run out of time here. Basic mistake of telling our story, absence of relatable points of contact. So where do you connect with your listener, uh, we should listen, and you'll hear their heart, and you can find a way to connect with them about your experience with Jesus. This is something that uh, that Paul did on Mars Hill. I'm not gonna not gonna turn there to Acts 17, but you can read that. Um, this is a message that that Paul shared on this this place called Mars Hill, and it's him. He just happens to notice this altar that they had erected there on this hill in their city, and. And it said, to the unknown God. That's what the altar said on it. And so he uses that as a reference point to tell them about who the unknown God is. I don't think Jesus ever preached that message to Paul. I know he didn't because Paul wasn't there with Jesus. But I don't think anybody else had ever preached that message to Paul before. But he was able to use something that was right around him and to say, you know what? Let me tell you about this right here. This unknown God that you, that you guys are just, you have this altar that's erected here just in case you're missing one of these gods. You have all these other gods that you serve and you, and you have one, one altar here just in case you're missing one of them. Let me tell you about that one that you're missing. And so he preaches a, a sermon to them, starts telling them about Jesus Christ and how he, he came to save them from their sins. And so he uses a relatable point of contact. Um... Basic mistake number two when you're telling your story. Focusing on recounting past sins and adventures. And uh, part of our story is telling about our past, but it shouldn't be uh, 30 minutes about your past and wrapping it up by, and then I met Jesus and the rest is history. Let's make Jesus the hero of the story it's not just about uh, just about glorifying everything in the past and all of that and reliving all of that every time that you tell somebody about your 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 story it's well, let's make Jesus the real hero, and not your past, the hero so that, that's just something that we want to um, just remember as're we're, as we're telling our story to somebody. How about telling an unfocused story an unfocused story that you're, you're just going all over the place you, you don't know what you're going to say, and so you're bouncing from here to there, and it's all uh, it's all mixed up An unfocused story. Somebody can't really follow that. Or here's here's something, and this is something that I have a problem with myself, uh, but always fact checking yourself. Anybody else uh, ever do that? It's like uh, you're telling your story, and and then you're saying, um, you know, I I actually almost did this when I was uh, telling my story earlier. Is, um, is you know that that moment and, and it was this preacher. No, wait a minute. It was. Um, let me think of it. It was. Uh, no, it was actually this preacher who told me. And I was. Uh, I was. I wasn't like I was ten years old. Or no, wait a minute. I. Uh, I think I was. I might have been nine years old. You know what? None of that really matters. Right? None of that matters when you're telling your story to somebody. If you get some of those little details wrong, what what does it really matter? You know. Let's let's get good at telling our story and just telling somebody because the whole point is i want somebody to know what jesus christ did for me i want them to know it doesn't matter these little facts these little tiny things let's let's make our stories brief let's make them in such a way that when i tell this to somebody they understand that my life was changed because of jesus christ i know this isn't a typical bible study but but we've got to we've got to Come on, hone in on, on how can I get good at telling somebody? How can I be that one who Jesus has sent me to be to reach somebody, to tell them about what God has done in my life? I shouldn't be nonchalant about this part of it. I shouldn't just be unfocused and, and just not be good at, at doing the very thing that we're placed on this earth to do. There's something else. Telling your story with spiritual arrogance Never tell your story with the intention of making the other person look bad compared to you. That should never be your aim or your goal when you're telling somebody about how Jesus changed you. It's not about puffing yourself up, making yourself look good. It's about sharing with somebody else what God has done for you and the fact, hey, I want you to know that God is coming for you. That, that God, it can do the very same thing in your life. And maybe they reject it and that's okay. Jesus said that there will be those who reject that message when it's shared with them. Amen. But, but we are all called to share our stories. Uh, there's something else. Using exhausting insider language. Just be aware of what they may not know. Don't use, don't use the insider language that, that they may not be aware of. There may be some who, who you can, talk to a little bit about you know maybe get a little bit more in depth because they have a Christian background but there's somebody that they may not be raised in church at all and when you talk about revival they have no idea what that term even means they don't know what you're talking about when you say uh the the Shekinah glory just moved into the place like what are you talking about (laughs) I have no idea what that means this insider language sometimes that we use, even even just uh mentioning sometimes the you know, I was I was at um you know I was at this conference. I was at because of the times and, and I was there and they're like, I have no idea what because of the times is. Okay. It doesn't let's 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 be aware of, of what they may know and let's just let's be good at uh, relating to somebody right where they're at so that we can the the best way that possible to to tell them what Jesus has done in our life and I don't need all these details that aren't going to matter I just want somebody to know that Jesus has changed my life and and I want you to know that this is the best thing that could ever that has ever happened to me and when they see and they understand that this really is the best thing that's happened to me cuz I believe it myself this is the best thing that's ever happened to me it is the greatest thing when Jesus got a hold of me and I haven't let go of him and I'm not going to let go of him because there is nothing in this world that I could trade him for that would be worth it. There's nothing. Mm. I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose somebody just because I, I can't, I can't explain what about what Jesus has done for me. Amen. We need to get our stories in line. Now, not fun, this is the most important here, the very last one I have in this in this list, the most important is not following the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the spirit, led by the spirit and, and, and this means that there's times where uh, where telling your story looks like an act of kindness. I know it 's not telling your story but but it's still. Uh, showing somebody else what Jesus has done for you and how He changed your life, just because, uh, or just by the way that you acted toward them, that was telling your story in that moment. It was telling them. Maybe it was somebody else who uh, who had wronged you in the past, and this wasn't the moment. The Spirit checked you and says, "This isn't the moment to go and to tell them and to preach to them." But I just want you to go over and shake their hand and 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 just have a good conversation with them. Because they, they wouldn't expect that because they've wronged you in the past. But they walk away from that saying, wow, something's changed about them. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If you have the, the Holy Ghost, if you have the Spirit, if you've been changed by the Spirit, then we need to walk in the Spirit. That means we need to be sensitive to it. Amen. We're coming to the uh, close here tonight. and. This last part is really the, uh, the language of the disciples, the fact of spiritual conversations, the fact that we need to uh, become fluent in sharing this gospel message, learning a, learning a new language. Anybody, is anybody in here um, bilingual or tr- trilingual? Anybody in here know uh, no more than one language? Got a, got a couple that are like, eh, kind of. Yeah, we have, we have a couple. I know sister Yesenia every time she calls me she starts speaking in Spanish and she knows that I have no idea what she's saying I never fail just this week just this week I answered the phone and it, I have no idea what you said I have I have no clue but it was it was something in Spanish but <laughs> the uh the way the, the way that you become fluent in another language uh, is is you're around people who are speaking that language. You're around it, becoming fluent in in the gospel, having gospel fluency, speaking the language of a disciple comes by being by being uh, in that environment. That means for yourself, you're in the Word of God. You're in the Word of God. That you are 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 in, entrenched in, in in prayer, and you say, "God, I, I'm thankful for everything that you've done." You're reminded of that, and you live with a, a heart of thankfulness and looking back on all the things that God's done for you. You're around other people, and you're you're, you're sharing the stories, like did said in Acts two forty two. They would gather together, and they'd come together, like we're doing with our our life groups or connect groups. Uh, we're coming together, and we're, we can share stories with one another. This is. You start becoming fluent in telling other people about what God is doing in your life. And then you can have spiritual conversations. Spiritual conversations is the language of a disciple. That's the language of a disciple is having spiritual conversations. What are spiritual conversations? They're connecting lost people with the saving message of Jesus Christ. Spiritual conversations are are conversations that prompt new steps to be taken by current Christ followers. Somebody, something that would cause them to to say, "Oh wow, that, that, I'm not doing that right now," and it would cause them to take another step towards Christ. Spiritual conversations sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, are just merely acts of kindness. Things that that you do for somebody that they notice that behavior change in you. And it prompts them to question something inside of them that would draw them closer to Jesus. Those are spiritual conversations. And we become fluent in the gospel message by sharing the good news uh, and living in the good news and understanding that the gospel is the good news. See, the gospel is not just a doctrine that we quote. The gospel message is not just a doctrine that we quote. The gospel message is the very real dynamic power of God to create, to redeem, to save. It is for us right here, right now. The gospel message is something that we live every day and we need to become fluent in the gospel message of what God is doing in our life presently, in the moment. Amen, this is the language of a disciple. is somebody who is comfortable just telling others about what God is currently doing in our life and as well as the story of what God has done in our life. Amen, that... Is the language of a disciple. Praise God. Amen. Can we just can we just stand all throughout this place? Amen. I want to just close this in in prayer and and, and all around. If we could just lift up our hands, Amen. This is a perhaps a challenging message because it, it moves us into a place. I know we're not all comfortable talking. We're not all comfortable sharing on things with others and just going up to people. But, but God has called us to this. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, God, that you and your word, God, has transformed us, God, that your spirit is very real. And God, I'm thankful for the transform, transformation, God, that's happened in my life because you have entered in God, I I've identified as a lifer since that day that you uh, sent that word to me, God and Lord. I pray, God, that there would be something in that, Lord, that could change me, God, and then help me, Lord, to to uh, to talk to somebody else, God, about how we could cling to you, God, who how we could identify as lifers. Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church and uh, what you're doing in this uh, group of people who are gathered here tonight. I pray that we would become disciples and that we would become fluent in your gospel message. I'm thankful. I I celebrate every story, God, and every life that's changed because of the way that we're living, God, as, as the church, as your body of believers. God, we celebrate it. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful church, this group of believers. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.